Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. How's it going, Giants fans? Welcome back to Fireside Giants. As the offseason gets underway here, the Giants had their first postseason press conference with Joe Shane and Brian Dable uh, today and an interesting kind of conversations that they had regarding some big player contracts upcoming. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, we're going to discuss what they said, what we think it meant, and the current cap situation. Now, a lot of people have been having conversations about the salary cap for this Giants team, how much money they have in 2023 to spend, and how much money they have beyond that. So, of course, the Giants are still trying to offload some pretty big deals that they have been strapped with um, in the most recent past. You know, notably, Kenny Galladay, even Leonard Williams is getting a big, uh, you know, payment in 2023. Um, so we'll kind of discuss how they can go through those situations. Saquon Barkley, what he said about his contract, Daniel Jones wanting to return to Big Blue, and Joe Shane having a pretty damning, um, you know, statement today. And I, ultimately, I think that you know Daniel Jones is in their future plans. Saquon Barkley, I am on the fence about I, the way that he kind of said what he said was that they would prefer to they, they want to keep Saquon but it really depends on the cap situation it really depends on the financial situation so we're going to discuss what that looks like uh where we go from here and how optimistic we are that both these guys get extensions and you know where the Giants may be willing to you know invest some money in free agency to, to upgrade a couple of positions but Anthony before we dive into it in the press conference quotes how you do today my friend I'm doing great. It was an interesting press conference. I think what you mentioned there about the Daniel Jones discussion and then the Saquon Barkley discussion was kind of the most eye-opening aspect of the press conference because the way that Joe Shane discussed Daniel Jones and the hopes to bring him back next season, he sounded a lot more hopeful and a lot more serious about that than he did about Saquon Barkley because when he was talking about Saquon, it was more like, yeah, we discussed it during the midway point of the season. We had some conversations. They were productive, but were very far apart on a contract. And then when he was discussing Daniel Jones, he even slipped at one point and said Daniel Jones will be back next season rather than saying that they want him back. But he tried to continue to reiterate that he wants Daniel Jones back. They're going to have the discussions and try and get it done. But with Saquon Barkley, he just kept kind of mentioning that the price needs to be right, that the salary cap needs to work for it, and that I didn't get that same vibe of needing to make it work with the salary cap with Daniel Jones that I got from the, the conversation about Saquon Barkley, and I thought that was really eye-opening. But other than that, it's pretty straightforward press conference. You know, Brian Dable, Joe Shane pretty much said what you expect them to say. We competed hard, we got better, but there's work to be done in the offseason, and we haven't had our meetings yet, so we can't give you any answers. That's how it always goes with these press conferences. But Joe Shane, I think he said some things that were important to note he said some things that were eye-opening but for the most part it's really just about taking what he says with a grain of salt for the most part and, and I think that he said a lot though about what the the attack plan is for this offseason he and Dable both really hit it home that this is a little by little rebuild and it's not a all-out spending spree coming this offseason and I think that's something that we should be happy about because even though we made it to the postseason and we feel like a much better team than we were last year we feel like the Giants could compete right now Joe Shane isn't necessarily treating it like this is our window of opportunity we need to go spend some money to win more games and make it to the Super Bowl he's still treating it like it's the rebuild playing the long term the long game and making sure that this offseason they don't do anything to cripple their financial stability for the future like Dave Gettleman did a couple years ago so I really like everything that Joe Shane said during this press conference again he didn't reveal too much and there's definitely some interesting talking points to be had but overall a positive experience coming out of this press conference and I'm excited for the offseason.
yeah, look, I don't think the Giants are going to go crazy in, in free agency like they did in the past. This is not a situation where the Giants are going to go out and sign a James Bradbury and then a Dory Jackson and Kenny Galladay and Blake Martinez. This team is very much toward – it. Will, this is my opinion, but I believe they're very much um, looking toward a strategy that means – is really predicated around building this team through the draft and and spending money to keep their own. There's something to be said about culture that the Giants just kind of built the foundation on and getting a taste of winning. They know that they want to keep some of these guys around. They're going to be cheap, and you know. But at the same time, you want to add competition because you don't want some of the guys that were starting this year in starting positions. So I will say this: I think 11 draft picks. We have the 25th overall pick um, this upcoming year, and I, I do kind of feel as though they're going to look to the draft to plug some major spots. I think that based on the coaching and the, and the quality of the coaching, they feel confident that they can get a lot out of young players and really help develop them into long-term you know, kind of building blocks. The problem with that method is it takes time, and the Giants don't have a lot of time until some of these bigger contracts come to fruition, like Andrew Thomas. Of course, now you're about to, you're about to uh, extend Daniel Jones. Um, and then, of course, you have Saquon Barkley, and you know those are two guys that we're going to discuss. As you said, he was a little bit more on the fence about Saquon Barkley with the way he was discussing it. With Daniel Jones, it sounded like it was a it was a walk-in, like this is going to happen. He's going to be retained on an extension. Um, now, Saquon Barkley didn't do himself any favors when he said after yesterday, after the game um, on Saturday that – or might have been yesterday. But he said basically, I don't think I'm going to reset the, the market. I know I've, been, I've had two years of injury that really, you know, kind of plummeted my stock. I'm not looking to reset the market. I want something, you know, I'm looking for something reasonable and fair. And I don't know exactly what that means because it sounded like he wanted Christian McCaffrey money, which is $16 million, which is one of the highest, if not the highest, in football alongside him. Um, so Saquon Barkley getting that type of money, I don't think we can justify. I don't think Joe Shane wants to give him that type of money. I think that he, he'd be willing to give him as much as the franchise tag would pay him, which I think is like $12 million. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he, he was willing to stay on a cheaper and also for what it's worth, his brand after football will make so much money being in the New York market. I think him staying in New York, even if he forfeits a little bit of money now comes back around in the future. So Something to consider um, on just a, in terms of brand, you know, marketing and, and awareness and, you know, being the, one of the biggest faces in New York. So I think there is value there. But at the same time, you could say maybe he goes, he wants to go to a state that has no, you know, state income tax and can get away with it there and maybe make a little bit more money in the, in the near term. Um, but with that being said, I don't think the Giants are going to be willing to break the bank for Saquon Barkley. I think it's got to be a very fair deal. Like Shane said, they were very far apart at the buy, meaning that the two sides clearly – um, are not close, and they think that there's different values on on each player. So it's going to come down to money at the end of the day. And Saquon, maybe he's willing to be like, you know what? I want to be in the, I want to be with the Giants the rest of my career. I want to be here forever. I want to win a Super Bowl here. I don't care about the money. I'm willing to take a more reasonable thing. The problem with that is. Um, oftentimes the NFLPA doesn't like that. They want you to get as much money as possible because the more you get paid, the more it helps everybody else, right? Like the more you get paid, NFLPA is like, okay, you know what? This running back's getting this. It helps reset, the, it helps set the market, set the benchmark. Um, and then it ultimately boosts the value and enforces teams to pay more uh, to players at specific positions. So they want you to be spending more. They don't want players to take friendly deals. Um, so I think that even if he does decide, okay, I'll, I'll take a little bit of a discount and they're okay with that, then, you know, so be it. But it's it seems like they're really far apart. So 
right now, if he wants $16 million, you know, Anthony, how much are you willing to give him? Because right now I think I'd maximum $12 million per season. Even that is a lot for a running back these days. And looking at the way the Giants utilize Saquon in the postseason, they barely use him. He had nine carries against the Eagles. We discussed this heavily in the postgame. Uh, we thought that they really failed to utilize him correctly. And it was almost like telling to how little they actually value utilizing these running backs in the postseason. They were really pass-happy. In fact, I would say that investing that that money on a receiver could be even more beneficial with the way the Giants' offense seems to be going. But you know, it's an interesting conversation to have. You know, how much willing, how much money would you be willing to give him? Um, and do you think this offense is is kind of predicated on the passing attack, or do you think they're still looking at a running back as an asset and a valuable piece here? An asset and a valuable piece, sure, but not a sixteen to twenty million dollar valuable piece. I think that this is going to be a pass heavy offense for the time being. It was pretty clear and obvious that they wanted to be a pass first team in the postseason. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with that. I think that they should have led each game, giving Saquon Barkley a bunch of carries, set the tone through the running game to open up the passing game. That's what you and I kept saying, Alex. That's how we think they should have approached things, but they didn't. And for the majority of the second half of the season, they did not do that. And it almost felt to an extent like they were phasing Saquon Barkley out of the game plan little by little. Uh, maybe I'm overreacting. And honestly, I could go ahead and say a bold take, but I'm not bold enough to say it just yet. But you might, some people are probably going to start throwing bold takes out there and say that the Giants might not be bringing back Saquon Barkley this offseason. Like, bold take, he's not back next year because it doesn't really look like he is that valuable to them. And I know that he values himself and he's going to want close to Christian McCaffrey, 16 to $20 million per year money. But realistically, Saquon Barkley on the open market probably maxes out at 14 in my eyes. And I think that the Giants are going to look to pay him 12 to 13 to $14 million. And that's about it. But he's probably going to shoot for a higher number. And he might have to test free agency to see if he can get it. Because if he goes out into free agency, one of these teams with a boatload of salary cap space might say, hey, you know what, we can afford to overspend at this position. So let's go ahead and get the best. And that's Saquon Barkley. So there's definitely an avenue here where Saquon Barkley reaches free agency. I, I don't think that this is a situation where the Giants are going to look to put a franchise tag on him or make sure that they overpay to keep him here. Because when you look at how that offense was structured for the second half of the regular season and into the postseason, it was a pass first offense and they were missing a wide receiver more than they were missing a running back because... They want to throw the football. They want to let Daniel Jones rip that thing, but they need a receiver to get that done. And I don't think that Saquon Barkley is being valued by the Giants as much as he values himself to the success of the organization. But another thing you mentioned there, Alex, was that Saquon didn't do himself any favors with his comments post-game, right? Now, I also got to mention, there's another player who did not do themselves any favors. You got to know where I'm going with this. Leonard Williams hurt himself badly by saying that he was willing to take a pay cut to play with Dexter Lawrence. In fact, uh, Joe Shane said it during the presser today. He said that he heard Leonard Williams' uh, comment and said that he loved hearing that Leonard Williams was willing to take a pay cut. Now, if you don't know, Leonard Williams' cap hit this upcoming season is $32 million. That is absurd. I don't care who the defensive lineman is, minus maybe Aaron Donald and Dexter Lawrence and maybe Chris Jones. That's it. Those are like the only three guys that I would even remotely consider having a $30 million cap hit for. But Leonard Williams with a $32 million cap hit, not sustainable. You can't do it. That number needs to come down, and it will, whether that be via extension or whether that be a pay cut. And now that Joe Shane has a word that he's willing to take that pay cut, 
that pay cut's coming, baby. You can guarantee that Leonard Williams, his contract, that cap hit is getting lowered. And that sucks for him, but he said it out loud and he should not have done that. So when you talk about players who instantly regret something that they say to the media, that's got to be one of those moments. Leonard Williams with a big mistake saying that he's willing to play for less money. But hey, listen, I'm all for it. I think Leonard Williams is a great player. He and Dexter Lawrence playing alongside each other. I want to keep that tandem. I want to keep that duo intact, but we're going to have to get that Leonard Williams cap hit lowered. And I think that the Giants are going to succeed in lowering that dollar amount so that Leonard Williams can continue to play with his buddy Dexter Lawrence. So I don't know if you have a take on that, Alex. Maybe I know some people are probably going to say that they're ready to see Leonard Williams walk in general. But for me, I think taking that pay cut and keeping him around long term is the right move. Um, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, personally, I do like the concept of keeping Leonard Williams. It really depends on the money. Like you said, 32 mil is just excessive. It's not worthwhile to even discuss. Like The thing is, if you if you cut him, you still got to pay $20 million in dead money, thanks Dave Gettleman, and $12 million you save. Now, usually you don't want to cut players post-June 1st, and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, post-June 1st, we save $18 million. Post-June 1st, all the free agents, all the best ones are already scooped up off the market, one, um, or at least the majority of them are already kind of like situated, and then two, you're pushing that additional $6 million into the future. You still have to pay that money. You just have, you're just pushing it into the future, and the Giants don't want to do that. They don't want to push money they have to pay now into the future and then lock themselves into, into money that's just going to hold them back and, and, and you, you know, further this, this perceptive rebuild. Uh, but I'll tell you what right now. Leonard Williams is a valuable piece to this team. He, this was the only season in his career where he's actually dealt with any like reasonable amount of injuries, you know, the MCL um, he had the neck injury. Like, this is the only year. It's, by most accounts, it's an anomaly of a season for Leonard Williams. Usually, he's a lot better, and he's a lot more consistent. He just missed time, and he was fighting through injury the whole year. So, like, you know, I'm not surprised he kind of had a down campaign, but I think he bounces back next season, and he's pretty good. Um, I'd love to maybe consider extending him on a, maybe if he's willing to, like, tear up his deal or even extend him on another year and then lower his cap hit pretty significantly. I mean, the question is, how much do the Giants value him right now? Because I'm not going to extend you know, add a year onto his deal at $20 million again, maybe 15 million, but I'm definitely not giving him $20 million to stick on this team until 2024. I just don't think there's enough value there at this point in time. And we need that money to allocate towards other positions. And the fact of the matter is the giants sucked at stopping the run. And he plays a pretty big position when it comes to stopping the run. I blame the linebackers more so than the interior defensive linemen, but Dexter Lawrence showed enough uh, quality as a pass rusher. I don't think Leonard, I think that when Leonard Williams was out, we were winning games still, and Dexter Lawrence was carrying the load, and Kayvon Thibodeau stepping up, Aziz Ojolari stepping up, and you know, when he came back from injury, I think that these guys can be um, very, very good pass rushers, and Leonard Williams, while he's in, while he's a valuable piece, and I think he adds a lot to the defensive front, I don't necessarily think that he is a necessity um, at times. I think upgrading the linebackers, that's a necessity. That's what's going to really help. But again, I would like to keep Leonard Williams if we can, but it really comes down to money. If he's not willing to take a big significant cut, if he's not willing to you know, stick around and, and help this Giants team figure out their financial situations, I think it's best to save the money and reallocate it. But with that being said, um, his comments were kind of attesting to the fact that he may be willing to do so. So hopefully he is and we can manage to figure it out and keep him with Dexter Lawrence happy and, and you know on this team for the next season and make a, make a nice push next year. But you know, aside from him, we're looking at Daniel Jones too. Seems like he's definitely on his way back. It seems like the Giants are negotiating, or at least they're about to start. Maybe after a couple of weeks, they kind of settle down, uh, let things kind of just quiet down a little bit, and then jump into it, let him rest a little bit, whatnot. But my question for you, Anthony, is right now, it seems like the Giants want him back. And if the Giants are publicly stating that, it means Daniel Jones has leverage. It means that they want him back, and he can use that to his advantage. 
question is, how much money do you think he's worth right now? Because after that playoff game against the Eagles, I don't think that was necessarily his fault. You watch what he did against the Vikings, against the Colts. He looked phenomenal. I don't think that the Eagles loss really diminishes his value at all. I think it really exploited some of the weaknesses elsewhere. Uh, but with that being said, Daniel Jones, I think $35 million per season is a reasonable number for him. I think that's fair for both sides. It's not overpaying and it's not underpaying. And you can give him a three, four-year contract at that amount. And I think he would be happy and he would continue to grow and learn. And let's be let's be honest here. He can leverage that deal into a much bigger one. He's going to be still, what, 30 years old. Quarterbacks play well into their 30s. I think that he could sign another four or five-year contract if he leverages that and, you know, makes $50 million after that. So if he bets on himself, sticks around with really good coaching, because if I'm if I'm uh, Daniel Jones and I'm and I'm sitting there saying, look what Mike Kafka and Brian Dable did for me this year, I'm investing in them. You know what I mean? I'm like, they're going to get me to where I want to be. They're going to get me to that big next contract. If I go to another team, there's no guarantee he ever recovers from that. So I think you 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 put the faith in them and you continue to grow and you still get paid $35 million. God forbid you get $35 million for a couple seasons. I mean, I'll do it. No problem. <laughs> like it's a crazy amount of money. So that's kind of how I feel about it. What are you thinking about Daniel Jones? How much he's worth? And if he's maybe willing to settle for a reasonable fair deal and not overexert his leverage just so that he can get better with the current scheme. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to dive into here. A Daniel Jones contract discussion could be its own episode because there's a lot to digest. First of all, one of the things you mentioned with Daniel Jones, why would he want to go anywhere else? He doesn't. So when we talk about the leverage, I don't think there is a lot of leverage on Daniel Jones' side because there's no shot that he's going to say, well, I can leave and go play for this team. Yeah, and go experience your fourth offensive coordinator in five years. Yeah, right, dude. That's like career suicide at this point. Like you finally found an offensive coordinator and a head coach that works for you, that gets the most out of you and turns you into a quality quarterback in the NFL. There's no shot that he's about to go jump ship to another team and experience a whole new coaching staff, a whole new culture, and a whole new offensive scheme to try and revitalize his career for a second time. Like Brian Dable and Mike Kafka just did what what the last two offensive coordinators could never do. They revitalized Daniel Jones. They turned him into a franchise quarterback. He's not going to go take that chance and try and prove himself all over again to a new fan base, a new coaching staff, and a new offensive coordinator. It's not going to happen. So when we talk about the leverage, I do think that the Giants have more leverage in this situation to say, hey, we found you a formula that works. We figured out a way to be to make you a successful and a quality quarterback in the NFL. This is where you need to be for your career, and we want to keep you here so we're going to pay you the fair amount but we're not going to overpay you or tie up our money to you long term because frankly Daniel Jones you did great this year but long term you really haven't proven much right he was injured injured a lot his first few seasons he had a horrible turnover problem to start the year of course Brian Dable Mike Kafka they they took that turnover problem away and turned him into a quality player but Am I willing to tie up a five to seven year deal on Daniel Jones? Absolutely not. I'm ready for a three year deal, you know, and you can consider that a bridge deal if you want, but that doesn't mean it's a bridge deal to another quarterback. It might mean that it's a bridge deal to a second Daniel Jones Daniel Jones contract. So you give him this three-year deal, and you ask me, Alex, how much would I value that deal at? I'm looking at around $30 million per year. So let's call it 
three years, 95 million, right? I don't think that this is necessarily a $133 million player. Like Lamar Jackson just declined that money from the Ravens. I wouldn't give that money to a player like Daniel Jones personally, because we've seen one solid year out of him, but we haven't seen three to four solid years out of him. So I'm willing here, Alex, this offseason, I want to see Joe Shane and Brian Dable get to the table with Daniel Jones, his representatives, and crank out a deal that's at a maximum of like 95 over three years. Because when you pay a quarterback under 30 million, you're, you're good, right? Because now the franchise tag value is 35. But that's where we talk about leverage because Daniel Jones might say, why would I accept a deal that's paying me under 30 million or less than 35 million this year when I can happily play on the franchise tag for 35 million this year and try to cash in again next offseason? So that would be him betting on himself. But if he'd rather play it safe, he can take the guaranteed three years of 30 million and then try and get that second payday in three years from now. And ultimately, I think that's where Daniel Jones lands. Right now, he's about 25 years old. He cashes in on a second contract. He'll be entering his prime at 28 years old in three years from now. It makes the most sense for the Giants to sign him to a three-year deal rather than that five-year deal. However, Daniel Jones might also look at the situation and say, I want the long-term money. I want over $100 million guaranteed to me. Give me the five-year, $35 million per year contract. And to be fair, that could look like a bargain for the Giants in three years, depending on how Daniel Jones continues to play and how that quarterback market continues to boom. So it's a very nuanced conversation. Again, it could be a whole episode by itself just talking about this topic. But when you look at it, this is a difficult decision for the Giants to make. It's not whether or not they want to bring back Daniel Jones. It's what's their price limit for Daniel Jones. How much are they willing to pay and how long are they willing to pay him? Because all of that... He's answered a lot of questions this this season, but this offseason, there's still more questions to be answered in terms of contract value and contract length. So we'll see what Joe Shane conjures up here. But again, you asked me, Alex, I'm curious to know what your terms to agreement are. But for me, it's about a three-year, $95 million deal. I'm not signing him to a five-year deal, and I'm definitely not tying up over $40 million to the quarterback position right now. Yeah, look, I could see... Um like a four-year deal at $35 million per season with an out after the third season. You know, so essentially the same thing. Um, that way, if he does end up being really good, you have the option to extend him and, and keep the cost down. So uh, that's kind of... I would I, things the Giants have to protect themselves in this scenario too because now that we've seen this team can compete with a really bad roster pretty much across the board um, and they can get into the postseason, our draft picks are not going to be very high. So we're like to get another quarterback is going to be a really difficult and you're going to have to spend a ton of capital to draft another player or you're going to go have to go and trade for another player, which is going to cost more if you're in the bottom half of the draft every single year. So right now, I think you commit to Daniel Jones. You give him that even four years without after the third season um, at $35 million. I mean, Look, we know we can win with him, but we have never given the guy a wide receiver one, like a one that actually fits our scheme. Like Kenny Galladay was supposed to be the guy, and then they completely changed the scheme. Nobody saw that coming. We we couldn't we couldn't have to, uh, seen the future in that scenario. But you know, this is going to be interesting. You know, Joe Shane said we're not necessarily we don't necessarily need a wide receiver one, but you know what the what the Bills did, what Miami did for Tua, you see that it does help a lot, and you see what Jamar Chase has done for Joe Burrow. Like you see what wide receiver ones can do for a quarterback. Daniel Jones has never had that type of guy before, you know? Um, the question I have is, can Daniel Jones, like, really focus in and, like, make the most of a wide receiver one? Like, you see what Eli Manning did for OBJ early in his career. Like, they were a monster combination together. They really played well, and Eli was so good at finding him. Um, can Daniel Jones maximize wide receiver one? I think that's really the question we have to answer, too. Like, he's never had that guy. 
Um, can he make the most of it? And I think just giving opportunities, like throwing the ball up to him, giving them chances. You saw the catch that CeeDee Lamb made yesterday. Um, you saw the catches that Jamar Chase made. I think like you just target them heavily. You give them contested chances, and they come down with it. And, and that's and that's ultimately what good receivers do. I think that uh, Daniel Jones can maximize wide receiver one. Um, so getting him one obviously should be a priority moving forward. But I will say this. Uh, I think that $35 million is a fair price. And I just read online that Ralph Vacciano from uh, one of those SNY or one of those places said that um, Saquon turned down $12 million per season. So that's an interesting interesting message. If he turned down $12 million, how much more are you willing to give? Like $12 million, in my opinion, is pretty fair for a running back that's really had a lot of injuries. He's He can't really be a workhorse. We had to really t- uh, take his workload down after he picked up that shoulder injury and then he had a neck issue. Like you can't give him 20 carries a game. Like it's not, he's not that type of player. Um, so if he can't get 20 carries a game, I'm not giving him 14, 15 plus million dollars. I can't, com- I can't like commit to him. Like we barely even use him in the postseason. If you're not going to use your, arguably your best offensive weapon in the playoffs why are you paying him 12 14 million dollars for you know what i mean like 12 million i think is fair but it seems like he wants more so we'll see where they finish there he could end up right now i'm not feeling that optimistic that saquon's gonna stay a giant right now i think it's 50 50 um i think that that's you know definitely relying on how much the giants are willing to go up in the contract but what do you think i i, I just I, I want him to stay but at the same time i'm not willing to overpay that's that's kind of how i feel so I, I think you're right. It's probably kind of 50-50, but I'd lean more towards like 60-40. He does stay with the Giants because here's the thing, right? If he's turning down that $12 million per year contract from the Giants, where's he getting more? Is another team in free agency going to give him 16? I don't think so. I think ultimately what happens, the Giants made him a fair offer there at $12 million. He's going to try and negotiate it up, sure, and they'll probably reach their upper limit of 14 I would assume. But if this goes to free agency... We saw what happened with Le'Veon Bell a few years ago, right? Le'Veon Bell was arguably the best running back in the NFL that season where he was rushing for the Steelers, goes in the free agency because he doesn't like the deal that the Steelers offered him, and he gets nothing out of free agency. Do you remember that, Alex? Le'Veon Bell went out there, tried to get that big market resetting contract for the running back position, and got absolutely nothing because no one wanted to pay a running back. So you could see that happen again with Saquon Barkley, and he might get a reality a reality call, you know, like a wake-up call where he just goes into free agency and is like, you know what, the Giants won't pay me, someone else will, and no one else does. And then the Giants are going to be like, hey, we'll pay you $10, 8000000 million now. The, the price is now even cheaper because we see that you don't have that kind of market. So it's a risk, you know. Saquon Barkley is going to take a risk declining that kind of a contract from the New York Giants at around $12 million. He'll try to negotiate it, and maybe he does get it up a few million dollars. But when he's looking at those Christian McCaffrey-level deals, I don't think that they're realistic. I don't think that there's a lot of teams lining up out of the door to sign Saquon Barkley to that contract that resets the running back market so when we look at that contract for Saquon Barkley Alex I think that 12 million is a fair offer I'm surprised to hear that that was instantly declined but that's just part of negotiation tactics right you never accept the first offer anyway so we'll see where it lands but if this does go all the way into March and Saquon Barkley hits the open market he's going to be running a risk there because sure he might be able to cash in on a bigger payday but there might not be any teams that are interested in signing him to a big deal and he might lose out on a lot of money that's a good argument. I think that's really where we should be focusing our attention. If I'm Joe Shane and I'm the Giants, I'm letting him go to free agency and, and seeing what he can get. I'm saying, hey, we'll give you $12 million. Go find your best offer and then let us know what it is, you know? And then, and then when, when, they, when the agent come back and says, you know, we got this offer from this team, 
I'm, if I'm Joe Shea, I'm calling up the GM and say, hey, did you actually give him this much money? Because if you do, we're going to let him go. You know what I mean? Like straight up, I would just be like, yo, I call their bluff because Saquon getting $16 million a year, I mean, running backs across the league are losing tremendous value unless you're Derrick Henry and, and have that workhorse mentality if you're Nick Chubb or you're even, even Josh Jacobs went crazy this year, you know, like there's not that many running backs that are worth that much money. Saquon's a great culture guy too, though. Like I think there's other intangibles that go into what Saquon brings to a team. Um, but are they worth that much money? Like $12 million seems fair to me, but I don't know. What do you think? I've also got one other proposition that the New York Giants could throw out there, and it's the transition tag. So it's not the franchise tag, but if the Giants were to transition tag Saquon Barkley, it's kind of like making him a restricted free agent. So basically, the way that the transition tag works, it guarantees the original club the right of first refusal to match any offer the player might receive from another club. So kind of like you were mentioning there, teams will make offers and then the Giants can choose to match. That's what the transition tag is for. They can transition tag Saquon Barkley, see what his offer offers are they have to find out like they will be able to see exactly what he gets offered rather than having to cold call a general manager and try and solicit a deal they will be able to get that offer right there and make their decision on the transition tag so that's a rarely used thing it's very seldom used in the nfl usually you see the franchise tag but the transition tag, it's the average of the top 10 salaries at the position, not the top five. So it's cheaper than the franchise tag, number one. And number two, you have the ability to match any offer. So if someone does offer Saquon Barkley a boatload of money, the Giants can say, no, we will just rescind the tag and you can go sign elsewhere. But if if he only gets $10 million contract offers, right, the Giants can be like, okay, we'll match that and we will keep you here in big blue for the time being. Yeah, that's also a really good op- option. I think that's a good alternative um, to using the franchise tag, especially because they want him, like, they're like, go see what the market looks like. I mean, we, we're only going to give you this much money, and what other team really is in need of a, of a running back at that level? You know what I mean? Um, like, you look, just go and look what, uh, I guess, even Christian McCaffrey, like, barely played in that game yesterday. Elijah Mitchell was a monster, and he's a sixth-round pick. You know what I mean? Like, across the league, like, there's there's teams that are doing really well. Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's picked it up a little bit. I'm um, at a good year. Nick Chubb, um, you know, so a couple of first round running backs there. Um, Derrick Henry, you know, first round. It's the thing is, you look at other teams, um, and not everyone needs those like high end running backs. So I'm curious to see what he could get on the open market. I wonder if they would use a transition tag. It's very interesting. But another player who does, who's also kind of in line to get a contract extension is Dexter Lawrence. Now, uh, Joe Shane said that he is he has earned a long term extension. Now I think that they let him play out like they did. Uh, with Saquon on this fifth-year option, then they probably start negotiating halfway through next year, see if, you know, this is Dexter Lawrence, like, lone big season, right? He has one, like, elite-level year. There's no, like, you could, in good faith, go and, you know, extend him now, and, and I would be on board for that. Like, I'm cool with extending him now, no doubt. I could also see the argument to let him play next year and then make sure, just wait until halfway through the season his, his value is not going to go up that much. If he's killing it, he's still going to get a similar amount that he would get right now. But the Giants just want to see maybe he can put together another really great year, which I think he will. Um, so, you know, just kind of being safe with it, I guess, just being conservative in your in negotiating in your money and allocations. Um, but Dexter Lawrence has become a great culture guy for us, too. You know, I think he was one of our best, if not our best player this entire season. I know you could and Andrew Thomas probably neck and neck with him, but. Dexter Lawrence was elite. You know, he was an all-pro level guy, and we haven't had an all-pro level guy in what feels like a very, very long time. You know, Andrew Thomas was, they were both second teams, but Dexter Lawrence could have easily been a first-team all-pro, and I think he will be in the future. He's, what is he, 26 or something like that? He's super young, maybe 25. I think he's 25 years old. So he has years left in the, and he's, his prime is just starting. 
you know? So, like, this is a great player. Uh, would you be willing to extend him now? I would be, but, you know, it seems like maybe they want to wait a little bit, let him play out a little bit more into 2023, um, and then, you know, see how he does the first half of the year. Listen, they've got some flexibility here because of that fifth-year option, so they can wait and see on Dexter Lawrence. But me personally, I think his price is only going up from here. So if they let him play on that fifth-year option, then he goes for 10 sacks this upcoming season. Well, you're talking about spending at least an extra $5 million per season on Dexter Lawrence's contract. So with these young players, it's usually better to get the deal done sooner rather than later. But at the same time, this was such a, an amazing season for Dexter Lawrence where he really took such a huge step forward. Who knows if he takes maybe a half a step backward next year and that brings his salary down. Again, there's so much uncertainty with all these contracts. All of it is just a complete unknown because you're really just trying to predict the future with this stuff. But with Dexter Lawrence, Lawrence, man, I'm ready to bring him home. I'm ready to lock him in for the long term. And I think that it is a deal the Giants should look into trying to complete this offseason rather than risking him playing on the fifth year option, inflating his salary demands and seeing if he can get more on the open market elsewhere. Because I think Dexter Lawrence is that difference maker, huge playmaker. And I think that the Giants should make it a priority to keep him around for the long term. So, guys, I'd love to hear your perspectives below in the YouTube comments about all of these different players we discussed, the financial situation of this Giants team. We have kind of big decisions to make with Saquon, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence. Um, I think that, you know, we've really hit on this in detail. We'll continue to give you guys updates and news and kind of thoughts and perspectives. Um, and always happy to hear and have good conversations down in the comments section, as always. Make sure to like and subscribe. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.